Hi, hello. Welcome to the after party, where I am Tortopolis's most eligible bachelorette. So I'm, I'm Tortopolis excited. most bachelor most eligible ba- Wow. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Tortopolis most most Sorry, eligible Sorry, Brandon hadn't spoke for like Brandon two had hours. He had a buffer. I forgot how to speak. I think you're all mistaken, and I'm Tortopolis's most eligible dad slash bachelor. Okay, I've got it. Brandon, you are Tortopolis is Sleeping Beauty. Yes. Fish, you are Tortopolis's Hello Dolly. And I am Tortopolis's Aladdin. <laughs> and I would say the most eligible bachelorette in Tortopolis is the bachelorette representative Brink. I am so freaking excited. Eric, during the ceremony situation, I thought first of Hunger Games and then I thought of Thor Ragnarok. So what exactly was inspiring you as you did this whole biz? Yeah, I really want to smash up my favorite competitions in recent memory. I read Planet Hulk, which is the Oh my god, so good. Which is the comic that inspired So good. It's the comic that inspired <laughs> the Hulk parts of so the recent good. movie. A Thor Ragnarok. Basically, it's Hulk fell aground of this planet um after he gets thrown into like a massive wormhole. And then he basically fights his way out through like being a gladiator. So he's trapped in this Colosseum and he's kind of trapped in this, I guess. It's like underneath the Colosseum when he's still like scrapping it out. So like in Thor Ragnarok, how like Thor runs around in a circle and he doesn't know how to get out. It's like exactly like that. But it's the Bachelor Mansion where you're stuck in, which is actually kind of like a Cheesecake Factory. Um, Amazing. Which is the best way I could think to describe it. So I I was trying to combine three like very cutthroat competitions. One is the Hunger Games, this idea that like audience can affect what's happening in the actual game. And hopefully I introduced this mechanic of using the proscenium arch or the thrust stage uh, within the Colosseum. And this is the place where you kind of like do your pleas or your uh, confessionals. If we're going from reality shows, we also have planet Hulk. This like straight up gladiator all out fight where people can get like political gain. And I mean, like we'll see what happens during this game, but in planet Hulk, like Hulk rises to like pretty political, like full hero status by winning all of this stuff. The stakes are high in planet Hulk and in Thor Ragnarok. And then of course the bachelor and the bachelorette, which just came back as we were playing this game, which is the most ridiculous cutthroat competition I could think of. So I've never actually really watched The Bachelor or Bachelorette, but I've seen Big Brother. I've seen a lot of Big Brother, either Big Brother US and Big Brother in other countries. And I'm like really excited for like the kind of relationship building in positive and negative ways that's going to happen between all these people. Chad's obviously a big best friend for everyone. We love Chad. Well, we all love Chad. Just hanging there. Oh, Chad the Who Man. The Who Man. And then I also really like the Hunger Games aspect or the audience interaction can also mean benefits where how Johnny got the potion. Really love that. I'm going to definitely use that to my advantage. Or last season of Big Brother, there was this whole mechanic of the temptation. So America would decide which member of the Big Brother house got tempted with an item that would have benefits for that person, but consequences for the whole house. Or America's so, player. 
Yes, During exactly. Big Brother as well. Exactly. Where um, they have to do whatever America votes on. Reality show competition shows are one of my favorite like guilty pleasures because it's really the combination of relationship building with like bananas gaming and competition. And I want to see what it looks like in Dungeons and Dragons. You know what, Brandon, I don't know what was up wrong with your mic, but I just like didn't hear you this uh, this episode. <laughs> no, we checked in a lot and we, we were hearing full the mic was working, everything full was silence, great. Man. All that deactivation. I had a dentist thing. <laughs> yeah, you ready? You, check, you got a root canal, check some emails. You yeah. started the computer and then left. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. don't think we've seen the full like shutdown of Tracy. This has definitely happened before where he feels so contrite that he just kind of collapsed. Like I'm thinking about when he attacked Greg, but like we got the full four hour shutdown here. Is this like a game mechanic? Is this like another thing that you're nerfing your barbarian against? Uh, I mean, I guess it's a little bit of a nerf, but to me, it's like logical in that. We talked about this before, but like Tracy's rage switch is essentially like a NOS switch in the uh, venerated. What do you call it? Something that's like the eight movies long series. It's still the, the venerated dynasty and the furious of dynasty. Yeah, um, correct. Where he turns it on and he attacks whatever threat is most apparent. And in this specific instance, I think. What was happening was that he was split between sort of like old rage mode where he was just attacking whatever was attacking his party. And he was also split for sweetly Oatcake, who was just this poor defenseless creature who was being attacked by these mud monsters. And I think he was sort of split between these two things where he had to make a choice. I, you know, honestly, I'm not sure exactly what happened as, chose a, as wrong a player for the party. <laughs> Overcomplicated, if anything. Not really chose wrong, but just added a nice little complication. Well, I think the interesting thing was that we played this great game mechanic where we did before where it was like we had a minute to think in game time, a minute to think of what we wanted to do. And for me, it was like at the top, I was like, Tracy's doing this. Like he knows what he's going to yeah. do. Like there was not a really no a deliberation. Question. And yeah. so and so Amanda and I had to look at each other and figure out what we were going to do <laughs> okay, to try to well, deal shit. with the team. I mean, like but, as a player, I feel bad because like obviously I would want to help you guys, but that's just not what Tracy would have done in that instance. And that happened right after a very extreme event, which is that we met our doppelgangers, our sort of darkest timeline versions of ourselves. I wouldn't call it darkest. I've I mean, had, it's the, it's the underworld southern, timeline. Southern timeline. A sort of through a mirror, slightly darkly version of ourselves. And by darkly, I mean just different. Because I fell in love with my doppelganger. Brandon was full of disgust. And Michael was like, I don't, what, how, how do I, huh? Well, I'm going to do the affectation. If that's apparently how uh, Alice Sunbeam thinks that Undying Light worshippers talk, I'm going to do that while I'm in front of her so that she, like, yeah, g- great. Yeah. Here's the trouble. I'm actually from the South, and I'm worried that I'm actually am going to start speaking Southern this entire <laughs> game. This there, entire I'm delighted. There was a moment where you did, we called you out on a uh, bit of Southern. Uh, Southernism. Southernness. Yeah. I hope I'm not too insulting, by the way. Oh, you are. Don't worry about it. Okay, good. Uh, just uh, insulting enough. I mean, you're here on the podcast, Brandon, so you're just implicitly signing off on whatever it is that we do. Sure. Yeah. You <laughs> represent all uh-huh. of Texas. Uh-huh. I do. That's true. All of the South, really. South That's of Mason, why I still it's live you. there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. how, do you, uh, how do you feel seeing these people who seem to be matched up with you guys? I'm amazed. I feel like the legend of Flip Day and my reputation among the urchins <laughs> has really just spread to all corners of the concentric states. And I am delighted to be notorious 
and want very badly to make out with a version of me that is like gold instead of silver and long hair instead of mohawked. I'm not sure we should (laughs) respond to anything she just said. (laughs) Just tell the truth, y'all. I am actually kind of worried because I have been either hearing as I did in this episode or Johnny has been hearing as he did in this episode or talking to the uh, shadowier side of the light. And uh, I'm a little worried that that's going to bite Johnny in the ass <laughs> talking to Al Sunbeam. Listen, he's all about the light, but does there need to be a balance or does it just need to be one or the other? Probably a balance is what I'm feeling like these days, but Allison Bean probably is not there. But good news is I'm actually the messiah to these people because I have the undying light with me. So not just the people here, but the audience members. I have the piece of the undying light. I'm the messiah. I'm going to win. This is a I'm winning. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. Okay, Brandon, how do you feel about seeing Poro? Hey, Fish, does, does Johnny think she's cute? I think uh, Johnny is – the interest has everything to do with the undying light and the fact that he's found someone else who cool. believes so in she, it. So he thinks she's cute. Got it. I love that you guys are like getting romantically involved with people on the fucking Bachelorette. I have – to me, this is why this feels more Big Brother. Yeah, it feels kind of Project Runway to me, frankly, having a makeover montage and Johnny having like a full mood fabric inventory worth of florals in his backpack. I My love backpack it so much. is the best thing in the world. Infinite apples, infinite fabrics, just the most useless. I items. love it. I love it so much. Inar is so like hoping to appeal to Ms. Thawthorne by like appearing the way that she thinks Ms. Thawthorne would like her to appear. Like uh, to me, it's just so sweet and like early teenager, you know, of like how do I tailor my appearance to best capture the attention of my beloved? In another universe where Tracy was awake. <laughs> what would be Tracy's whole like uh, interaction and dealings and feelings about P O R zero Poirot? So here's the thing, right? If anyone has ever read or played or like looked up Warforged lore, Warforged they were stopped being created at a certain point. So I think it is a shock. And also in my meditative shutdown mode, I'm fully aware. I just am shut down. So I I think he <laughs> Oh, knows. now I just imagine <laughs> oh, uh, Tracy judging everything we were trying on, but oh, not being course. able oh, yeah, to yeah, say yeah. anything. Being yeah. like, oh, love- girl, that head- headline is totally wrong for or you. all the stuff that you guys did to Tracy when he was passed out. We were, I mean, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yep. we used to have the human roadblock. All of it. Oh, my God. But yeah. it, didn't, it didn't work. He almost fell on me. I mean, he's probably not mad about it. But what's interesting is I don't know how Tracy's going to react. Initially, like as a player, I thought, for a brief second that we were looking at it's called the Lord of Blades actually which is like the sort of like Warforged religious figure sort of like almost like a Sith in uh, Warforged lore oh wow but clearly not (laughs) so I don't know I think we're gonna have to play it out I think he's Tracy's never seen another Warforged in his entire life I don't think he's seen any other being that sort of live the same experience that he has so I don't know if he's gonna be upset by this or confused by this or delighted by this i don't know i am interested by the fact that there is such a major difference in the affectations 
or the verbal tics that P O R zero speaks oh, and Tracy. You mean the, you mean how Eric says beep boop and to piss me off? Well, so it's really funny because I feel like the way each of these doppelgangers are talking are just in very stark contrast and to Eric attempting to joke and make fun of us because Brandon hates the beep boops that we make jokes at him. Inara talks decidedly not like a valley girl. And I have touched on Southern, but we've moved away from that. So I figure that's probably where these things came from. They kind of poke at us a bit. I feel like if you met us one time and then had to recreate our (laughs) verbiage to somebody else, that would be it. So this is like, this is the person who comes across us once on the road and then like tales are told of us forevermore, street urchin style. Charles Dickens esque. This is how it appears. Are so, we in a hologram? So a the question. So the question is, and pure speculation. Since we know that this speaker has very, very, very masterful control over mud and creatures, are these just all of these things just elaborate, very elaborate mud creations uh, made on purpose? Only one way to find yeah. out. Make lick, out with them. Lick them. <laughs> lick them? Yep. Tracy goes for licking. Well, same thing, basically. <laughs> you know? I have a very special surprise for you listeners, which is that we are joined by PJ Scott Blankenship, one of our friends of the show and the voice of Greg. Hi, everybody. It's so nice to formally actually be in the same room with everybody. Well, here, not on your end, because I don't know where you are. Hopefully yeah. somewhere nice. Peaches outside your room, just being like, hey, do you like the podcast? How do you like it? This is making me out to be a real creep. <laughs> PJ is not a creep. Well. Very, very cuddly. <laughs> oh, thank you. PJ, I want to ask you about the first time that I asked you to read a letter. I only knew you through Amanda at that point, right. and I just like sent this along to you. So how did you feel that you just like got this really emotionally charged thing like in your Facebook inbox? Well, I kind of want to preface that with saying that even though like you asked me to read that, I asked to be on the show. Oh, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to be really charitable because I forgot about that. No, I listened to the first couple episodes and my impression was that the wedding was going to be like their tutorial and then the group would go off and travel and do their own thing and maybe occasionally we would see Greg and Alonzo again and not that they would play such a central role. So when I asked Amanda, it was before everything like with the Red Throat gang had gotten really bad and before Greg had really like shown that other side of himself. Mm-hmm. I just thought like, hey, if they come back and if they want a cameo, I would love to do that because I really liked Greg as a character. And then by the time like you guys said yes to me being on and by the time it got to the point where I could, so much had happened that he wasn't what I thought he was, I, but I loved him more. What was sense. your first impression of Greg? My first impression of him, and the reason why initially I really wanted to play him was because he kind of embodied everything that I would have made in a D&D character at first. Like, I would have made like a gay Disney prince, 100%. <laughs> That's exactly what I would have done. And I kind of like that he immediately he starts hitting the fairy tale cliches where he gets poisoned bites by a frog. His yeah. true love stops time and everything. Like, I loved that. <laughs> and then what made me love him even more was that when he got angry, he took on this kind of like, kind of like a villainous thing, but he doesn't realize that because he thinks that he's very justified in wanting a happy ending. And he's not getting it and it's pissing him off. And I loved that. I loved a character that plays with every one of my favorite kind of archetypes, even if traditionally in stories they are like diametrically opposed to each other. I just loved him. How's the leg? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry about that one. Oh, my Uh, God. It's been like three months. It's fine. (laughs) 
we don't have to talk about it anymore. That's exactly what Greg would say. I love it. <laughs> he did say that in he 21. I, please, I don't, I, don't, I, don't want to, I don't want to talk about it. Okay, well, I don't want to talk about it. Um, but I kind of imagine now that even though he's like healed up, in my mind, which you can totally like tell me I'm wrong, but in my mind, I still feel like he probably has like a very fancy kind of like boot-like apparatus on that leg, like wrapped around, kind of like wire thin with like silver and it's like all barbed together and it looks kind of badass, but kind of feminine, but kind of masculine, but also keeps his shit together. I also like that Greg like wears a boot for way longer than he has to. 100%. (laughs) (laughs) I still feel like my toe doesn't flex like it should. So <laughs> we're going to keep wearing this boot. Oh my god. I feel like every time we're in the same room, our characters, Greg will just like kind of cross his leg with the broken uh, one up prominently top point like his and like look yeah. at look at Inara and Johnny and 100%. Tracy and be like, well I feel like he dislikes all of you, but he really hates Tracy. And Tracy gets a little bit of satisfaction for that, I think. <laughs> I could tell. Yeah, it's very apparent. <laughs> I don't think Tracy likes Greg very much at all either. Nope. Everything you're saying about Greg, I think, really comes through for me in my head canon for him. Yeah. He was very much... Which is canon because it's your character. I know. It's like the thing. It's canon. It's just canon. It's just canon. Everything that I wanted Greg to be in the original wedding was literally him being a Disney prince. Right. And now, like, he's just come up with depth. And I think that when you read these letters, you really capture a lot of them. Do you guys talk about Greg as a character, PJ and Eric? I would love to more than I do, but I feel like... Because for one thing, I'm behind because I listen to the shows in real time with everybody else. Yeah. And I'm not here. But also, like, he's not, even though he's a character, he's not a player. So, like, all of the things that I want to know about him, like, those are more of a narrative thing as opposed to, like, finding out what people are doing, like, as a collaborative storytelling thing. So I don't have ownership over him the way that you guys do your characters. And I, I, like, I have so many questions and so many things that I want to know and so many things that I'm looking forward to, but I don't want to, like, hover over Eric. Dealing with NPCs are a little complicated depending on where everyone is. So Zach Valenti from the first two episodes, Julia, who played Cole at the end of the first arc, and now Hetty, who is a part of the Bachelorette Party arc. They're all local, so like we can work with them. We could uh, tell them what we needed. Uh, Zach kind of just popped in, and he's just like a consummate audio professional. But Julia actually came into the studio, so she was like being a PC. And I, I'm using Hetty for a very specific way, so I'm like giving her what she needs. The other thing with Misha is, again, kind of like the way that I'm using Hetty, is that Misha comes when Johnny needs them. So it's like it is dependent on when Fish does things as a player it's like Misha and Fish share like a PC role together. So now for Greg, it's like, I need Greg to do shit even b- right. when PJ is just like not here. And I also like don't want to spoil PJ because he's really good at like listening to the story and Facebook messaging me about it. So I think I kind of like this dichotomy of there being like a player Greg, which is like how I have him, and then this produced Greg. And I think that they're a little bit different. I think the irony though is that produced Greg is more sincere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and but I, I I love that personally because we don't know through whose perspective the story is being told as of the middle of bachelorette party like Alonzo is not here. So it's not necessarily Alonzo's story even though in most ways it is. Like Alonzo is the character around which the rest of ours have convened, which is sort of atypical for I think a D&D campaign mm-hmm. for the player characters not to be like the person unifying everyone else and driving the thing forward. And so from that 
kind of narrative perspective, having a version of Greg that interacts with Alonzo, if you want to call him our protagonist, in front of us player characters. And then another version of Greg that speaks directly to Alonzo in a you know sincere one-on-one, like private and intimate way. I think it's really cool. In the same way that we have a voice talking to Johnny and using, you know, Misha's voice just adds another kind of like layer of it's almost like we're hearing the undying light through Johnny. And in this way, like PJ's voice is Greg through Alonzo. Mm. No, I think about it. I hadn't thought about it before. We don't really know who's telling the story, do we? Oh, no. Well, I mean, as we've talked about before and just the structure that I've imposed from our recaps and from the Meet the World episode, I mean, this is like a story that just exists. We don't really have a perspective at this point. That's interesting. I think it's the speaker. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, like, what if it? Yeah, they're just they're just like always like present, just like flapping around, just like, hey, I'm watching you. I mean, we have like the centering story, which happened a millennia ago. What if this story is? And this is just my total conjecture. This is not a theory at all. But like, what if <laughs> this is being told a millennia in the future? Right. That is technically the, the start of this, isn't it? Is that centering story? Right. Meet the is world. The meet the world. That's what you're referencing. Yeah. Yeah. Right? yeah. yeah. It's like yeah, we have these two stories that are working with each other. One is like the story that you guys don't really know about, just the story of the centering that is just like common knowledge. And then there's this one that that the campaign. This is where we finally admit all of this has been scripted, including all <laughs> of this. Oh, damn it's it. all been scripted. Sorry. I do think it's this is just, I love this idea. Sorry, I'll stop talking about it soon. But this idea that whomever is telling the story also has intimate knowledge of all three of our characters, but our three of our characters don't know the intimate knowledge of each other. Yeah. So who is that one person? Is it yeah. Alonzo telling the story in a thousand years? Right. Is it like Greg and Alonzo's like great times 20 grandchild? You yeah. Know, you know, who knows? Is it a an official historian talking about the story that starts with a wedding and ends in, uh, you know, something <laughs> significant enough that this story has been like committed to memory? Because for those who may not have listened to our recap episode, or it's kind of story summary, which you can find at jointhepartypod.com slash recap. Eric wrote it in the style of someone telling a bedtime story, a narrative, you yeah. know, in the same way that the Meet the Worlds episode way back in June of 2017 was structured. So I live for metatextual shit. Like that is what I was the most into in college studying literature and the kinds of stories that I love reading. That's why I, I chose Choose Your Own Adventure books, you know, because the second person narrative, the ability for someone to interact, like, Personally, that's the kind of story that I love the most. And it is just like a kind of cool thing that I can think about when I'm not in the middle of figuring out how to like play a scene. Yeah. You know? Does my sneak attack can, apply? Yeah, zoom out. Oh, God, sneak attack. <laughs> Lord. <laughs> if we pass a million downloads, I'll get a tattoo that says, Can you get the flowchart? Your sneak attack. Flow chart. No, that's, <laughs> no. Like, that's your that's entire terrible. back. Yeah. yeah, I know. That would be my entire back. I'm going to get a, ta- <laughs> a torso tattoo of the sneak. Gotta look, but it's, it's mirrored, right? So I have to be able to look down and see the text myself. So <laughs> just get it on your eyelids, Ooh. the inside of your eyelids, Ooh. inside of my lips. I can, yeah, like a Wakandan yeah. situation. Like, I'm a rogue. <laughs> <laughs> well, we also got some listener questions for PJ. Oh, cool. This is from the perspective of Greg, so we can see this as PJ's headcanon about Greg, not necessarily okay. Greg. I love it. I love it. So PJ, what are Greg's favorite activities to do with Alonzo? With Alonzo. Someone mentioned, like, I don't know if they meant for it to be, like, an AU, like, an alternate universe thing or just a fic idea, but there was this idea that they both do open mic that I thought was very charming. (laughs) Is it in disguise or is it as themselves, like, in a different city? That's a good question. I don't know. uh, I don't feel like they travel a lot now. Yeah. So maybe whenever they get the chance, they, they like, sneak out. Aw. 
what so is, cute. Very sweet. What is Greg's performance? Like, does he do comedy? Is he singing? Is he doing? Greg's a singer. Singer, love it. I guess yeah. he's bard. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, now, how does the arrow fit into his act? It's like a tuning fork. It, I love like, it. goes up and down, and then it's... If he's on pitch or not. Yeah. What is Greg's go-to karaoke song? What is PJ's go-to karaoke song? We are IRL song? doing karaoke tonight, so I'm I was, very excited I was, about it. I was thinking about what songs exist in the world for him yeah, to be able yeah. to... Whatever version of Amy Winehouse there is. Yes. Girls, That's real. Good yeah, choice. Uh, Back to Black, I think, would yes. love it. Greg's... Love it. PJ's is um, Survivor by Destiny's Child. That yes. is also an excellent oh, so good. Very good. God, I can't wait. <laughs> Our other question was, what is Greg's favorite style of fighting? I think that he... There's lots of ways to approach this. Right. Mine is like, where does Greg feel most in control? Like what scenario where he has to like influence an outcome? Like mm-hmm. what scenario does he feel most in control over? I think that Greg knows that he's the most in control when he's not in control. And what I mean by that is that a lot of what he does is very artifice when it comes to dealing with people. But then you you see what happens when he loses his temper. He's incredibly powerful. So I think that for him, the key to a successful fight is losing his temper in a controlled way. Because mm. then it's just like, rack him up. Interesting. Great that, Bruce Banner. Yeah, that's similar to what happened in the beginning of Political Party. Is like, you have to send out goons to like right. try to deal with them. And then once that doesn't happen, he can like go in and mop up. I play him as a mix between Disney princesses, mostly like Cinderella and uh, Ariel Little Mermaid, very mm. throaty. But when he loses his temper, and I'm hoping that we'll get to that at some point, he becomes much more nasal and head voice, I think. It's like mm. Maleficent, and then Maleficent turns into the dragon. Yeah, I love that. that's, that's true. That's how I feel. That's very real. It's also funny because that's what Tracy does with his rage switch, is lose his temper in a controlled way. Uh, mm. Greg would never admit this, but I think secretly Tracy and Greg are very much alike. That's probably why they dislike each other a lot. You yeah. know? They can see a lot of each other. He would never show the parts of himself that are very much like Tracy to Tracy. The same way for Tracy, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have a question from the Facebook. This is from Matthew Julian. Thank you, Matthew. He starts by saying a lot of nice things about us. Thank you for saying nice things Aww. about us. My question is for Amanda slash Inara. Is her tendency to speak quickly and in mm. triplicate, example, cool, 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 before going off on a short and hilarious recap of what just happened, <laughs> a, character, a character choice, or is that Amanda showing through? I haven't noticed you doing this on Spirits, which I love, too, by the way, so I have a feeling it's an Inara-ism. PJ's known me the longest. I don't want to say. Please. No, Please I want to hear from PJ, yeah. Yeah. She does do the triplicate thing when she gets very, very excited. Um, or if it's a rant, but it's like an excited rant. Yeah. And then the tangent of recapping, that happens. It's when she's not thinking about it, which makes sense when you're improving And it's like, cool, cool, cool. Yeah. You know? I feel like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, blah, 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 you know. That's yeah. exactly Anara. I think Anara is just excited Amanda at all Inara times. Anara is uninhibited Amanda. Mm, that's real. That's how I try to play her. So that makes sense. I will try not to think about it or else I'll stop doing it. <laughs> so from my perspective, I've edited all of you many, many hours. I've heard your voices Oof. more than any human should hear any other You're human's welcome. voices. Good. Oof. Oh, boy. Uh, oh so boy. I know all of y'all's tics and I know when to edit and when not to edit each of y'all. So from my perspective, I think there is a little bit more of that idea of Anara in Amanda, but it doesn't make it on tape because I tightly edit Amanda speaking so it flows better. And then I literally just don't edit when Inara speaks. <laughs> I just <laughs> let it go and it's beautiful. And then I originally was editing Inara too down to be a little more flowy. But eventually I was like, you know what? This is her character. Just like let it flow. This is beautiful. You can repeat things a million times. You can say the same word seven times. Uh, ums, all of them. Stay. I'm keeping it in. 
I edit Johnny more than Fish. So Johnny's pretty because in my head Johnny's pretty confident. He doesn't really yeah. mess his words up for different NPCs. I edit them differently. Yeah, it's interesting. How much did you edit me? Uh, not much. It's different when you when you have an actor who's performing. It's different <laughs> because you guys intentionally take words. So I try to take chunks at a time. So and I look for performance more than I look for like flaw in performances. So How do you edit yourself versus Tracy? Well, see, this is the hard thing because you're always super self-conscious about yourself. Sure. So the thing that I'm most aware of for myself is like, was that funny? Probably not. I'm going to cut it. <laughs> 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 and that happens a lot. <laughs> so I'm probably harsher on myself laugh-wise than I should be. And like, I've had this discussion with you, Eric, of like when you're editing yourself, you take out a lot of the funny th- and like charming things that you say. And I'm like, no, no, no. We're putting that, that back in. That's um, what our bloopers are for. Right. But yeah. I think I edit Tracy and Brandon the same way because I'm just self-conscious about it. Yeah. Sure. It just came to me that you probably could, if you wanted to, re-record lines you, you wanted to change. I could, but I'm lazy. So. <laughs> very, fair. very fair. Very fair. Does Johnny have any verbal tics? Or just like Many. being Johnny? I mean, I think uh, Brandon's right in that he edits Johnny more, so he sounds a little more confident because Johnny is a very confident fellow and Fish is, at least verbally, less confident sounding. So it makes more sense, I think. I think that you're you are like analyzing the game on so many levels because especially early on as a person who DMs more than plays mm. there must be so many levels of like meta textual seeing what's going on is this what he's doing is this not what he's doing you know what is like the best way to plow through this scenario versus the narrative so I think whenever you you know hesitate before speaking or take a minute to get to wherever you're going to me, it's like, well, I mean, of course you would, because you are not only saying, like, what would my character do in this scenario, but what can I, as one of four players in this game, like, what is the most appropriate thing? Not the best thing, not the worst thing, not the fastest thing, not the slowest thing, but, like, the most appropriate one out of all those scenarios right now. My best sessions are the ones that I, like, let go and don't try to anticipate the five different things Eric could do in this right. one specific situation. But I also love doing that because then I can afterwards be like, oh, my God, I assumed you were going to do this, <laughs> this, or this. Yeah. But you did that. And it was crazy. You've also done a lot of, like, teeing Inara up and Amanda up for, like, not messing up. You know, and especially earlier on when I was even less confident than I am now, I don't know, just just giving me options or talking through things with me. So I definitely would not be as effective or interesting on mic without both of the player characters here. But I think especially with the sort of like, you know, mentor mentee relationship that Johnny and Anara have. That's been, I don't know, I'm just saying nice things now, but that's been really nice <laughs> for me. You notice that Johnny is the one who does the action and says, Johnny's going to walk over and talk to this person. And that's because Fish knows how to play Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I want to talk to PJ about this because we literally just talked about this okay. as we're preparing to record another thing, which might come up at some point. There's a very big difference between how I act as Greg off the cuff and how I write and how you express Greg in the written way. And I think you summed it up really well. It's like Greg is very sort of like harsh and like a little bit harder in person, but his written stuff, he's right. He writes like he's a civil war wife. Right. Yeah. Oh, like, inten- oh no. like intentionally. Oh no. <laughs> which is really funny. I think he's also a bit prone to the drama of it all. Oh yeah. So that's the, that's how I really wanted to take it because like I said, when I asked, the character of Greg as was presented was totally different from what ended up happening in the next couple of episodes. I never would have thought that he was going to like kind of become an antagonist when he first popped onto the scene. But then 
after that happened and after you guys were like, okay, now we're going to include you. And I'm like, he was just an asshole. <laughs> he was just a little shit. I don't, I, what am I going to do? So I intentionally, I did kind of read the letter to try to humanize him a bit more. Sure. And I think that what we were talking about earlier was that we've seen a very interesting thing happen with people who love Greg and Alonzo lately and where they've really like come to bat for the couple, even though it's really been a while since they've been able to do anything together. And, you know, as of now, Greg hasn't really redeemed himself all that much. Right. Like right now, everyone is like, okay, fine. But there's not been like this big change of heart. There's not been this like big change in dynamic. But people really love, it's just a reason thing. People really, really love Greg and Alonzo now. And I think that kind of also goes back to representation being very important. And this is the kind of character that I would have wanted to see when I was a kid. And it's he's the exact kind of character that I wanted to play because he thinks that he is very entitled to his happily ever after life. Mm. Whether or not he's gone through enough in his life for him to literally say, I deserve this, that's up for debate. But the fact that he can't get it just makes him so mad. Oh, and he, in his yeah. heart of hearts, he just wants to be the husband. Yeah. That's yeah. it. I, like the theatrics and the quests and the magic and the world, they're all very intriguing. They're very charming. He can see from another person's perspective how that could look to be like a very romantic life. But as he says, when he snaps on everybody, it's my life. I can't walk away. Like I have to live this. Yeah. And you guys get to be the heroes. Yeah. I love that. I love that. I really wish you were around when I first I'm had that snap. Around yeah. <laughs> I, I really wish that we had gotten you on mic when he snapped because like, I feel like I wrote that out just as much as I write out the letters that you read. Yeah. And I feel like that speech, your letter, and then this one that- They're the same voice. That we're going to record eventually. It's very much triangulated. Like this is how Alonzo sees Greg. And I'm really excited for everyone to hear all that. And then we'll hopefully we'll flesh him out a little bit more and get you more on mic. That'd be great. I think it's also such like a human, a human feeling to have exactly what you just described. Like, I think people are connecting with Greg and Alonzo in addition to the representation part because that feeling of you were getting into a thing that you had in your, you had an image in your head of what it was. Like, I was in a relationship for a long time and I had this idea of what our future was going to be. And then suddenly something comes in and changes that. And that's something we can all relate to. And suddenly your future is swept out from under you. Your right. your idea, your romantic idea of what's the next month or the next year is going to look like it's swept out from under you. I mean, they didn't even have a literal honeymoon. Like the, right. The, they didn't even have had... a reception. Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. I mean. Like, Not really. Yeah. Yeah. They were frogs. Yeah. yeah. I, I, he carries that with him. Like, you know that he does. And he's so ready for this to be done. For sure. I, I know that, like, I don't know as much about, like, royal interaction right. but i think that this is actually kind of playing out in the royal wedding that's happening right now is like the dating part is really hard and like people are just speculating and like everyone's like oh who's that is this a girlfriend blah 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 right. but like once people are married you're like eh, your family like i don't care anymore mm-hmm. and i think that greg really wanted that and right. now he doesn't get it yeah it's hard yeah and i think that when you grow up in that kind of position of privilege and i mean i think it's it's with everybody where people say oh, you know, you're going to go to school and then you're going to graduate and you're going to meet someone and you're going to be in love and it's going to be great. Uh, Particularly for me, I come from a family where everybody had kids at 20 and they got married then. And like, that was the ideal. That was it. Mm -hmm. So much so that even when I came out to my family, my grandma didn't care that I was gay. She cared that I wasn't in a relationship. (laughs) So she's just like, well, why aren't you settled down yet? (laughs) I love your grandma. She's the worst. 
first. <laughs> um, I hope that I don't know the whole dynamics of Greg's family, but I hope that somewhere he has a grandma that he can't stand who's very controlling. Oh, I'm like 99% sure. I'm putting her in now. Okay, cool. Like, it's great. Cool. Yeah. I think this also, and like, we've had a little bit of a conversation about it for, from a larger political perspective. Fidopolis and Chronopolis that I've laid out, like, they are the two power players. Right. And I feel like they are the ones that are closest to, like, not an aristocracy or nouveau aristocracy or like even a monarchy or whatever the fuck is going on in the UK right now. But um, constitutional monarchy, it's not a thing, UK. Not, not really a thing. A thing. <laughs> um, but it's like th- there is this like royal with big quotes family from these two places. And then what we're seeing in Antopolis is like literally supposed to be like the West Wing more. And then whatever the fuck is happening in Tortopolis right now, it's all very different. So the government systems are different. And that's why there's a lot of conflict between all the other places. Mm-hmm. And why they need a literal divine speaker to like tell them to chill. I think that it looks like it's a very advantageous match as well between the Kikos and the Nectarias just because. Yeah. But for them, for Greg and Alonzo, it's the real deal. Yeah. Everything else is just secondary. And the fact that it kind of works to everyone else's advantage, like that kind of gives Greg like a sigh of relief because even though he doesn't really like, I feel like he probably doesn't really care so much about the way that it's viewed. He's more like happy about the fact that nobody's going to give him shit about this relationship, oh, and how perfect it could be. But right. instead, he hasn't, you know, and been right off the bat, his months. sister, yeah. yeah, yeah. But instead, there's a lot of resentment, like because this happened, and and yes, he's with the person he loves, but right. immediately now the responsibilities kick in, and I think that I'm not sure if Greg thought about it. At least the way I see it, he was thinking all the idealized. The honeymoon, the month after, like happily ever after, yeah. But and that it just went over his head that these are the two like powerful families of the of two of the cities. Like you, can, it's not going to be easy no matter what. And I think this is the journey he's on is figuring out. And I mean, I think in this case, it's more than it's unfair what's happening. Yeah. Like it's it's beyond the not easy that it should be. But he's he has to learn how to make that balance and work. I think he also doesn't care about politics. No, and, and no, no. And he doesn't care about politics. But I also think that doesn't mean that he doesn't care about the people. Mm. I think that he probably doesn't know as much about what's going on outside of a castle, I think, as as anyone would. But I do think that he has a little bit more life experience than Alonzo and that he's a bit more aware of people's true inner nature. Mm. And he would love to make the world better, but not in the way that he's seen it happening yeah, that makes sense, especially like how oblivious he is about Gregina. Yeah, absolutely. Like, Gregina, and they like name them after each other, which is wild. It's like he doesn't understand like the political ramifications of having a disgruntled sibling. And I think that's really what it boils down to. It's like Gregina knows it's like, oh, I have political power. I can bring some shit down and make people listen to me. And Greg's like, why did you ruin my wedding? Yeah. It's also crazy that these, these adults are expecting these children yeah. To oh, be yeah. able to deal with these political ramifications. And you're a child. You can't. It's just you can't. Yeah. Going back, I think, to the letters and then the relationship between Greg and Alonzo, the listener gets to hear all these changes and like at least get a better idea of who Greg is and who Greg and Alonzo are. But as characters, Tracy, Inara, and Johnny really have one main conception of Greg and it's fairly negative. Yeah. And there's not, if not nothing has happened to change that, not just from like, all right, this is someone we saved and then tried to attack us and then tried to sabotage us on this ship. And then 
is giving us crap, even though we're the ones who have been tasked with protecting your husband. And we, we talk a lot on this show about how we forget Alonzo. <laughs> but <laughs> I think the, the fact that we forget Alonzo is a lot better than the fact that I think our characters really don't like Greg. Or at least yeah. we're, you know, we as, as I think as people, Brandon and <laughs> Amanda and I, I like Greg and want to like him. But it's just, it, there's no twisting I can do of how Johnny has interacted with Greg that he can like him, at least without any kind of major changes. Yeah, totally. I think that's good, though. Like yeah. the the best case scenario so far that we can say for our character's relationship to Greg is that he like didn't actively attack us when we left Fidopolis for Tortopolis. That was huge. You know? Yeah, and and that's like the most positive interaction that they've had so far. Nobody you know, got chopped. No one got chopped. <laughs> Everyone's we played chopped twice, haven't we, Eric? <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> uh, ooh man, fantasy Tim Allen is really harsh with his with his uh, penalties, isn't he? Anyway, um, Tim Allen. Tim Allen. <laughs> Oh, fuck. No one tell her. No, she watches Chopped all the time. It's Ted Allen. Ted Allen. Thank you. Can you Tim imagine Allen Tim Allen asshole. hosting Chopped? That's true. Uh, you guys can <laughs> just make a... <laughs> oh, just make, a, make me a sandwich, because that's what men in America deserve. <laughs> Ooh. Okay. I was going to Shelly's behind a fence the entire time. <laughs> just yep. poking over. Anyway... I love Greg and Alonzo. I love their relationship. I identify with both of them in different ways. Like I cry every time I hear the letter because I really identify with that that kind of sentiment of like you love this person and all you want is to like hold them to you and spend time with them and never let them go. But you know that to be happy and fulfilled people, you need to spend time apart or do things that will hurt each other through no fault of your own. And so I love them a lot and I love everyone's fan art and please keep making more fan art. <laughs> but that being said, we are firmly in Alonzo's corner as our characters. And, you know, as much as Inara moans and groans about the annoying little brother or big brother that Alonzo is, I guess, you know, uh, same age. Big little brother, little big brother. Yeah, for sure. A little big brother, I think. We haven't had that opportunity to develop a relationship with Greg and we haven't seen the human side of Greg that the listeners have. So people ask us sometimes like why we rag on Greg so much and that's that's the answer. I'm wondering how long Alonzo can be a plot hook for you three. And I think we're going to see what happens. We've done like, hey, this is Alonzo, this big doofus. We did, hey, do you want to work for Alonzo? Hey, go help Alonzo while he does this thing. Oh no, Alonzo's missing. I feel like that's like the end of the road. I wonder how, how long that they'll do like what Alonzo tells them to do. Our three characters have loyalties to each other. We have loyalties to the cause. We have loyalties to the concentric states to varying degrees. So Inar doesn't need to be paid to do the thing that we're doing. And like at a certain point, maybe Alonzo will be at odds with what we think is the right mission. Maybe, you know, the representative will tell us something that we think is wrong, like we do almost all the time, you know? <laughs> so like there, there's going to come a time where like we are people with thoughts and opinions, like the ability to affect change in the world. And I don't think that we have like a primary allegiance to anything but our own senses of justice. Yeah. But aren't you as an assassin <laughs> literally being paid to do this thing? Like that's that's what you should you should be wanting Right. Okay. Anar is a very bad assassin. Anar <laughs> is a very bad assassin. I think it's gonna be fun to see that when that comes up. Yeah. What you just no, I'm. About. I'm in. Honestly, like I, I don't know. I think I will be reacting to challenges that Anar faces in the moment because yeah. I don't have a ton. I feel like you two could talk all day long about what your characters would do in different situations and I chose to play an adolescent for a reason and that's because like we are discovering this shit as we go as me as a newbie player and as Anara as an, a, a newbie person in the world so yeah. we'll see yeah
Alrighty, that will do it for our after party. We would love to hear what questions you have for the next time. You can find us at jointhepartypod.com slash contact or email us directly. Hello at jointhepartypod.com. You can also hit us up on any social media platform. We are on all of them all day long. We're at Join the Party Pod on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, all the places you could possibly want to talk to us. And we hang out all day long. Not going to lie, it really is all day long in our Discord for our patrons. So that's at patreon.com slash join the party pod. And for as little as two bucks per episode, it goes really to a great place. And you're going to be able to join in that Discord. So we are so grateful for your support, those of you who are supporting us already. And if you're able to join, we'd really love that. A great non-money way to support us is to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. If you have an iPhone or if you have iTunes installed on your computer, any kind of computer, you can leave us a review. Just find Join the Party Pod in the podcast section of the iTunes store. Give us a nice rating. Say something sweet. Tell us what your favorite NPC is. That really does help us to find new listeners. So we very much appreciate it. I think that's going to do it for us. Thank you again for listening, and we will talk to you soon. Thank <laughs> you.